Hello, and welcome back to episode 6 of Cinema at First Sight, officially halfway through season 3. Not that it matters, because who's tracking what season is which? No one except for me. But, hello, welcome. If this is your first time listening, the premise of Cinema at First Sight is that I will either watch the first episode of a TV show or the first half of a movie and judge it based on literally as little information as possible, because no perspective is better than an unqualified one. Today is no different. I am going to be tackling the first half of Edgar Wright's new psychological horror film, Last Night in Soho, starring Thomasine McKenzie from Jojo Rabbit and Emmy Award winner Anya Taylor-Joy. So let's just jump straight in. First question, is this a rewatch or is this a first-time watch? It is a first-time watch because it came out like three days before I'm recording this. So I'm just going to delve into some basic plot points. These are written incredibly dodgily because I was writing them in my iPhone notes while I was in the cinema, but let me just try and sift through them. So the movie begins as we meet protagonist Ellie slash Eloise, played by Thomasine McKenzie, who's obsessed with the 1960s and lives with her super cute grandma in Cornwall after her mum committed suicide shortly after moving to London. Despite this trauma, Ellie herself is about to similarly relocate to London to attend fashion school, which she does. She meets her roommate, Yacasta, who turns out to be a terrible human and all-round mean girl, and Eloise is just really not hitting it off socially. She doesn't party with anyone, everyone thinks she's a bit of a weirdo because she's insanely socially awkward and says two words to people, so she decides to move out of the dorms and find a place of her own. She rents a vintage flat from an alarmingly strict woman, Miss Collins. However, things take a turn for the weird that night when she goes to sleep and dreams that she is Sandy a brash and unapologetic young blonde 1960s aspiring singer, played by Anya Taylor-Joy, who takes Soho by storm. She breezes on into the city's most famous nightclub and meets talent manager Jack, played by Matt Smith, who says he'll take her under his wing and make her a star. And by take her under his wing, he apparently also means sleep with her because that's what happens next. The next morning when Eloise wakes up, she finds that she has the same hickey that Jack gave Sandy in her dream. And from then on, it's clear that something's off. But Eloise honestly seems unfazed. She's thriving in her dream world. She uses Sandy as inspiration to become less of a wallflower and push over back in reality and dyes her hair blonde and buys an insanely expensive jacket and gets the attention of John, an exaggeratedly nice boy in her class. And things just really seem to be looking up until they're not. Gradually, things in her dream life take a turn. We find out that Sandy actually isn't making it as a singer and that Jack is kind of the worst person on earth who, instead of being a talent manager like he professed he was, is actually a pimp who gets her into prostitution. She's completely taken advantage of night after night and is often beaten and abused and it's, it's really not it. Which comes to a major climax, no pun intended, oh, oh my god, when Eloise sees Jack murder Sandy and stab her to death several times. And that is where we're leaving off. Lots of questions, which I'm ready to dive into. So first question for myself is what are some of my favourite moments or moments that I consider to be most exciting or most pivotal? I think one of my favourite things is just like it's visually really cool. It's shot really well, and as you can probably tell from the ad and even the posters, there's a lot of neon and it's very colourful, so definitely a spectacle. A technically proficient aesthetic spectacle. 
I also like getting to see the juxtaposition between Soho in the 1960s and Soho in the present day, like visually and also culturally. I like my films with a side of historical context. What can I say? A little spot the difference. And now I think probably my overall favorite thing is that the soundtrack, boppin'. It kills. I think this must be one of Edgar Wright's specialties because obviously, as we all know, the Baby Driver soundtrack, next level. But this one also really holds up. We've got some classics like Downtown, which is actually sung by Anya Taylor-Joy. I love a musical theater moment. And Wishing and Hoping, and obviously the song Last Night in Soho. So yeah, I stand by my original statement. I think that the soundtrack was my number one favorite part of the movie, which, spoiler alert, maybe doesn't say that much for what's coming next, but we'll get there when we get there. And then yeah, I guess my last favorite thing is just, it's a bit of fun. Literally because of everything I've just said. Even though it's kind of long, it's definitely not boring, so it held my attention the whole time. Which is great. There's nothing worse than a boring snooze fest, and this isn't that. Now let's get into a slightly longer category. Some of my least favorite things about this movie, or moments that I consider to be least exciting or least pivotal. Number one, I just think the plot's a bit stupid and has no clear meaning. A girl seeing visions of another girl from the past and then trying to solve her murder in the present is kind of a cool concept in theory, but in practice, in this movie, I don't really know what the film's trying to say. Like, what's the take-home message? So far I'm getting all men are evil and schizophrenia is a lie, because vivid fantasies and dreams are real. I just want to know what moral or highlight of a lack of morality or clash of morality I'm supposed to be taking from it so far. But at the moment I'm falling short. Actually, they are. And then my next least favorite thing, Thomasine McKenzie's performance. I hate to say it, it's a bit rough. Actually, no, it's it's really rough. I think she was good in Jojo Rabbit, but she really dropped the ball with this one. At the very beginning, when she's talking with her grandma, it's like cringe overacting, but then for the rest of it, she's underplaying it way too much, except for a few, again, weirdly over-the-top facial expressions that she whips out just out of nowhere. And this is specific and random, but the way she speaks just really annoys me in this film. Maybe it's her approach to pronouncing words with a British accent that's off-putting, I don't know, but I'm not a fan. And then what I think the biggest problem with this film is, is that it's aiming to be highbrow, but it's actually just a trashy horror movie. It's clearly being made with the intention of being a thought-provoking, arthouse, psychological thriller commenting on the exploitative nature of sex work and the Freudian id within toxic men, but it's actually just a very technically well-made horror film, which is fine. There's definitely a place for that in the market. I love a bit of trash viewing, but embrace what you are. Don't pretend to be something you're not. But we'll move on to the next question, favorite characters, I think my number one, she's been in it for literally one scene, Eloise's grandmother. She's so cute and wholesome. She just wants the best for her. She warned Eloise that Soho can be rough and by God, she's right. She's also always trying to check in with her even though Eloise is giving her nothing. She will not pick up the phone. She's a queen and an icon and she deserves better. And then my second favorite character, I guess just because he has to be because on paper he's doing everything right is John. So objectively he's earned the right to be a favorite character but personally I'm actually not a fan. Probably because the actor playing him is genuinely horrendous. Like so bad. But also he's a blank piece of paper. He's giving me nothing. Except moral integrity but also honestly that should be the bare minimum. 
Unfortunately, in this movie, it seems to be a rarity that any male has any kind of empathy or respect for women. But in life, if you settle for someone because they're not a misogynist or a murderer, get higher standards. And I think that's officially the most scathing critique I've ever given someone on my favourite character list. Now moving on to my least favourite characters. This one's pretty easy because, spoiler alert, this film tends to put people in good v bad stereotypical boxes and doesn't expand beyond that, but Jack, he objectively sucks. He gaslights Sandy, promises her a singing career, essentially Weinsteins her and gets her to hook up with him, and then shoves her into prostitution and probably stabs her to death. He has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. He's an awful person. Like, the caricature of a toxic male. Also, side note, Matt Smith's really aged since the last time I saw him in something. When did that happen? But that's not relevant right now, and not a reason why I don't like his character. The reason I don't like his character is because he's an amoral, exploitative pimp. Enough said. And then again, my other least favourite character, Yakasta. She is also objectively awful. She bullies Eloise, she tries to piggyback off her trauma initially and then makes fun of her for it behind her back, and also just an all-round horrible roommate. Would I want to meet her in real life? Absolutely not. But honestly, a bit of me kind of loves her as an audience member. I just think she's really funny. And the actress playing her, controversially, I think is actually giving the best performance in the movie. Like, yes, Anya Taylor-Joy's good, a little bit heightened, but it's the 60s, it works. But the girl playing Yakasta in terms of, like, realistic 21st century catty female interactions is killing it in a completely uncliche way that is equal parts horrible as it is funny. Which means I can't bring myself to fully hate her. Especially because I find Eloise low-key annoying. Not annoying enough for her to be one of my least favourite characters, but annoying nonetheless. Okay, now let's dive into storylines I think will be expanded upon, or storylines I think should be expanded upon, aka what I want to see more or less of. Predictions. I think there's going to be some sort of twist. I think Sandy's not actually dead. It was hazy, it was the dead of night, there were lots of neon colours, we couldn't fully see what was happening. I don't know how or why, but I think she's alive. And, okay, Another prediction, maybe she'll introduce herself to Eloise at the bar where she works and, like, adopt her. And then the two of them will team up and kill Yakasta. Who knows? I'd honestly love to see that. That would definitely be this movie taking a turn for the trashy and, in my opinion, for the better. And the next prediction, a boring one, I think Eloise is going to end up getting with John. He seems to be in love with her despite her having little to no character traits. So I think they'll become a thing and probably end as a thing. Or he'll be tragically killed. Inverted commas around the word tragically, because honestly, I wouldn't care. And what I want more of? I want more nuance in the depiction of these characters. If it's going to be a good movie, give me a good movie. I'm going to delve into that in more detail when I get to some of the most problematic moments, but I feel like everyone is a stereotype of the extremes of their gender. I don't see any actual people in the film. Which, again, would work if you're aiming to be a schlocky horror teen movie, but not if you want to make a film that's actually genuinely good. And I don't care if it's controversial, I want less of Eloise. Her character is either completely weak-willed and a total wet blanket, or an annoying nutcase from whom I get severe secondhand embarrassment, who again is being portrayed pretty poorly. So I'd like her off my screen. Okay, a juicy one, most problematic moments. As always, have in brackets if applicable. However, as I've hinted many a time, definitely quite applicable in this film. I think the depiction of men as being complete predators or completely passive aids is kind of problematic. 
Unfortunately, the former tends to be true a lot, sure, but the only male characters in this film are the complete embodiment of the hunter-gatherer complex. At the beginning, Eloise feels threatened when her taxi driver is awkwardly hitting on her, which I totally get because gross. And also, yeah, that does happen a lot. But then every other interaction with a male we see in this film is completely toxic, except again for John, who's a personalityless, empathetic white knight and also a super terrible actor. I just don't really understand what the take-home message of this stereotype is. And similarly, I feel like the depiction of women's also a bit rough. You've got Eloise, a shy, meek waif of a girl who wears headphones during parties and can't seem to form proper sentences because she's nervous all the time. And then you've got 60s Sandy, who's bold and brazen and sexually promiscuous and daring. Essentially, we've got a Madonna Hall complex on our hands. I feel like Edgar Wright literally just like briefly skimmed Freud's Wikipedia page and said, that's my movie. This just feels like a film jam-packed with tons of gender stereotypes and restrictive dichotomies, and I'm like, okay, but it's 2021, so to what end? Are they being critiqued? So far, definitely not. So what's the point? Just to reiterate, if this were a straight-up trashy horror film, unsophisticated characters and cliches would make total sense, but this is professing to be more than that, so I expect more. And it's not being delivered. So now moving on to what category of viewing is this film? I have created three for myself in order to ironically put them in a box. We've got trash, meaning that it's a horribly made, horribly written film that's genuinely bad. We've got treasure, meaning that it is expertly crafted in all facets. Or we've got guilty pleasure, which means it is pretty bad and kind of maybe problematic and poorly made, but I'm into it. And I feel bad about the fact that I'm into it. So keeping that in mind, what category of viewing is it? I kind of have no idea. A movie about putting people into boxes I am not able to put in the boxes of my own creation. The irony. Look, it's not a treasure, because it's kind of unsophisticated and trashy, but approached and shot with the proficiency and vision of someone aiming to create a masterpiece and very much falling short. However, am I enjoying it? Yeah, kinda. So I guess that means it's a guilty pleasure? I do feel bad about the fact that I'm low-key into it, even though I recognize it's not great. However, I'm also embarrassed by the fact that this film was trying really hard to be highbrow with a psychological thriller-esque edge, and instead just like landed in muddy mediocrity. Generally, if something's self-aware, I give it way more lenience, but the self-awareness is nowhere to be found. Edgar Wright said, my comedy career be damned, I'm an artist now. However, I'm saying bro, go back to the drawing board. Now we're up to viewing style. Who would I watch it with? Where would I watch it? And who would I not watch it with? AKA, the least and most ideal viewing circumstances. I would say the least ideal viewing circumstances would be going to see this with someone who thinks that this is an amazing nuanced film and that this is an accurate reflection of society because you should probably not be friends with them. But I guess the most ideal would probably be at home with a group of friends so you can talk through it and tune in when it gets dramatic and heightened. It's not a film that requires your full attention, even though it's trying super hard to be, so I would say that a cinema experience is not necessary for this at all. One, two, three movies in your set. So, will I keep going with the rest of the film? I mean, sure. Why not? As I said, I'm low-key into it, and I do genuinely want to see how it ends. I'm invested in a way that you would be with a trashy horror movie. So yes, I'll watch the rest and see how this weird plot unfolds. Maybe the second half will totally redeem itself, but I won't hold my breath. So now, we've come to the final question. Rating out of five? I'm gonna give Last Night in Soho a solid 2.5. 
that's the halfway mark because it's a movie. It's a well-made, trashy horror movie that desperately wants to be more. Is it bad? No. Is it as good as it wants to be? Definitely not. Is it jam-packed with confusing take-home messages? 100%. However, is it a visually exciting, provocative thriller with a rockin' soundtrack? Absolutely. So I think that deserves a solid 50%, a C. It's a good rating for what it is. So yeah, if you want to have a bit of fun and definitely don't want to learn anything, then go out and see it. But if you're expecting it to be a masterpiece, maybe sit this one out. And they're the best recommendations I can give you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that my opinions haven't been too annoying and controversial. They probably have been, in which case they're also probably on brand. And I will talk to you next week where I will be back and reviewing a TV show pilot that I have not chosen yet. Talk to you then. Bye!